This is Zash Raymond, and you are listening to the Fulham Focus podcast. Welcome to the Fulham Focus Podcast. I'm Jay Mack, your host. What should have been a day of celebration of the removal of one moron in the White House was the birth of another at the London Stadium last night and our beyond disappointing loss to West Ham. Adamola Lookman, you utter clown. Despite not taking chances well enough, our fantastic defending, goalkeeping, build-up play against an established Premier League side was destroyed by an offside goal and the worst decision I've ever seen a Fulham player make for a penalty. We looked like a team, a good punt, until Adamola brought the old fart of Fulham 18-19 back into our nose hairs. How are we all feeling? Will Oakley and Matthew Baldwin are here to tell me. Let's go. Okay, guys, the lineup is a 4 2 3 1 with Ariel. Oh, bugger this. You know, there's only one place to begin. It's Adamola, Luckman, and the penalty. I just want to say we're all thinking of you, Frenchie, my hosting counterpart, who's generally polyfillering his house right now after throwing the TV remote at 65 miles per hour as well when this disaster happened. I'll go to you first, Bordeaux, mate. How did you react when you saw this? Um, it was rather animated in the group chat, wasn't it? I mean, it was animated on the on the group chat, but I just, for the first couple of seconds anyway, it was just stunned silence for me. It, mm. Trying to wrap your head around, why is he, why has he done that? And you're thinking in the back of your mind, like, is there something like, did he, did he trip on his way up, which sort of made him, you know, <laughs> stumble over, and it, it wasn't a deliberate panenka, as it were. But my, well, I just. On a scale of how angry I am, I was at a 10. I was at a 10.0 last night. I'm at about a 9.8 today when we're recording this, which is, you know, less than 24 hours afterwards. It's just an abomination, if we're being brutally honest. Yeah. I I mean, we've all, I'm, I'm pretty sure everyone has all said the same thing. I said it on the group chat. I said it on Twitter afterwards. But if you're going to do it in a last minute penalty, if he'd have gone like Stuart Pearce or Chris Waddle in Italian 90, or Kevin De Bruyne earlier against Manchester against Liverpool, rather, I wouldn't have blamed him. That that stuff happens in football. But if you're going to do a penalty like that, you have to score. Otherwise, you just look like the biggest twat in the world. And as a result, he has he's basically brandished Fulham. As you know, you said shades of eighteen nineteen. We're basically yeah. going back to that. We are now the laughing stock of the league because of one man's actions. Again, missing a penalty in the last minute, it happens. You know, missing a penalty in general. Mitrovic did it against Sheffield United earlier. But if he'd have missed it a la Mitrovic, no one would have but no one would have said a thing. It would have been, ah, shucks, oh well, can't really complain. But the way he did it, it's just inexcusable. So yeah, yeah, th- that's the first of the rants over. I'm ninety percent sure we're going to get to a, a dozen of them throughout the night. No, that's fair enough. I, I personally feel like I'm going to have to be a balancing act here. A lot of the other social media outlets are giving their full support to Demola Lookman. I don't, I don't know, fully agree with it. Well, look, when the penalty happened, we both said on the group. I had to literally flip my laptop down. I just said, I- I'm not watching this, and you were the same. I mean, just that's the sort of thing you do when you're four or five nil up. Just not when you're trying to get a point, isn't it? How did you react, mate? I was absolutely fuming. I I can't even 
I can't even describe how annoyed I was. I mean, <laughs> uh, Baldwin Baldwin just said that you know he was a ten out of ten last night and a nine point eight today. I uh, I was ten out of ten angry last night. Ten out of ten angry today. I can't. I actually can't believe it. I don't. I don't get it. That I'm not even funny, but that penalty was r- rubbish. I, I the keeper could have. I, I'm seriously lost for words. I don't know. I mean, everyone's seen it, but. The keeper literally could have ran to the corner flag, ran back, and it still probably wouldn't have rolled over the line. It was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. It was so soft. I don't know why he's tried it in the first place. And I, so I'm the youngest person, you know, in full and focus. And I don't remember the original Prem days, if you like, as well as you guys do. Um, you know, uh, the two Prem seasons I remember the most is this one and our, our last season in the Prem. That is the most annoyed I've been at a Prem game for me mm. because I, I don't remember the you know original days as well as you guys. I was just fuming. I I couldn't believe it. it. We deserved a win out of that. And I'm sure we'll talk about whether that goal was offside or not later, but purely on the penalty, a point minimum. And that's ridiculous. If I was the players, I'd be absolutely fuming. I, I wouldn't want to talk to him. He's cost the team a point. And, and that's a fact. I mean, people have been saying that, oh, yeah, well, we might not have defended well enough anyway because they had a lot of chances and we should have made more chances. The fact is, that's a 97th minute. We, the whole team's been playing for, you know, the whole evening and he's just done that. It takes away the whole aspect of the game, if you like. We played so well, but at the end of the day, if you're doing stupid things like that and not getting points, it's not worth it. You can tell just by Fabianski's uh, reaction after the penalty. He goes straight up to Damano Lutman and just more or less just grills him for trying something like that against him. And, you know, he got, he got everything he deserved, in my opinion, from that. I mean, fair play to the lad. I mean, not fair play, but the lad looked absolutely devastated, and rightly so. But, I mean, whose decision is it? I, I, do we know for certain, Reese? Because we're hearing that Mitro had a bit of a niggle on his hamstring and maybe gave away the penalty him. But this is a guy who hasn't had one penalty his senior career, and I just baffles me why the hell he was taking it in the first place. Yeah, there's got to be something to the decision-making process that isn't quite making sense. Maybe it, you know, again, if Scott Parker come out and said, you know, Mitrovic is off penalty duties because he missed the last one, so I think, which I think was the chain of thought when we went on that bad run back in 2016-17, where just literally who's the next one that wants to take it, which is how we ended up with Tim Ream taking one up at Newcastle. So if it's that case, then you know, fair enough. Lookman has, you know, arguably, but not even arguably, has definitely been our best player this season. So you think you mm. want to put the ball in our in our best player's feet. I was going to say best player's hands. You get the picture. So in that situation, fine. But now we're hearing that Mitrovic had an injury, so he handed it over to him. In which case, I, I that doesn't sit comfortably with me. How injured can Mitrovic have been that in the 97th minute or whatever it was, he can't, you know, I'm just doing the quick maths here. It's the 18-yard box, 12-yard, six yards. He can't run the six yards to take a penalty. I can't believe that a hamstring or whatever whatever injury he had is that bad that you can't run up six yards and hit a mm. penalty and hit a penalty. Well, harder than Lookman did anyway. But at least maybe he was too scared to take it. Maybe exactly. Maybe he's scared to take it. That's a whole different issue entirely. But, but fear and Mitrovic isn't something I usually put hand in hand with each other. <laughs> but I mean, exactly. you know, but exactly, yeah. But the 
I think something does need to come to the bottom of why it was decided to give it to Luckman. Because if it is the whole story that Mitrovic was injured, so he said, here, you take it, that doesn't fill me in a lot of confidence in Mitrovic. That, you know, that, you know, we've used it a lot, the killer instinct sort of thing. We've said before that he right. needs to get his confidence back, you know, with, with goals or assists, as he did against West Brom. To then, to, to then turn down that opportunity of a goal is, you know, We've said we need we need Mitrovic to be selfish, but in that situation, that's when you want him to be selfish and your main your main man, your main penalty taker. If failing that, give it to Tom Kearney, who I think is yeah, Tom Kearney is, exactly. Is, there there are better options out there. I mean, let's let's not discuss the options because you know for all we know, Kearney could have done the same thing. But the whole idea of going to Lookman in itself, someone who's never taken a penalty at senior level, in that situation, baffling. Scott Parker's comments at the end, you could tell he, he wasn't really sure whether he was going to shoot someone or burst into tears or maybe both by the way, the intensity behind his eyes. But he was very, I mean, he obviously said that there's no way to take a penalty and he's obviously made it very clear he's not happy about it. But he's also very stern about the offside and I would just like your thoughts on that. Are you as angry about the offside as he was or are you more focusing on this Lookman penalty? I think I'm more focusing on the Lookman penalty, but okay. I think we have every right to argue that that goal was offside as well. The thing is, if there was no VAR, I probably wouldn't be that annoyed. But the thing is, there's no consistency now with which decisions are offside, which which decisions aren't. And I don't want to, I don't want this to turn into a VAR rant. But no, go for it. That <laughs> should have been. I mean, yeah, I mean, it should have been ruled for offside because. The player's interfering with the play. He's caused, I think it was Anderson, but it might have been Adarabio. He's he's caused someone to head it. And, you know, that's that's led to the goal. And if in some games a foul all the way at the other end of the pitch can stop a goal at the other end, then surely that should be ruled out as well. So I think there needs to be consistency with the rules. I think you can't choose some to go to VAR and some to get called offside. Baldwin, I, mm. I know you're a fan of, of VAR and I'm sure you'll uh, somehow have an argument to prove me wrong. But I seriously think that should be offside because he's completely caused our centre-back to head it and it's ended up with a goal for them. So if you're interfering with the play and you're offside, then it's offside. And it's like the things like Bamford's goal got ruled out for his hand or his you know mm. bottom of his arm being offside. For me, if that's getting ruled offside, then there's no way that that goal can be onside. But, you know... That's how it is now, isn't it? Well, that's the thing. I want to bring this to you, Bald. I mean, you always say that's a rule problem, not a VAR problem. I understand where you're coming from with that and certain issues. Uh, Moyes, David Moyes comments after the game. He clearly thinks it's offside as well from, you know, from pretty much what he was saying afterwards. And I just want to know, I thought every offside was now being checked by VAR. Is that not a thing? Or is that just another Fulham West Ham curse like the Javier Hernandez handball goal last two seasons ago? I mean, what is that? Well, I think we can all we can all uh, ascertain that whoever it was, I think number twenty, whoever it was, was offside. I think there's no there's no denying that bit. It really does then come down to was he interfering with play? Now he's effectively he's he's left the ball essentially, but he's left Anderson to go to go and head the ball. So I think by leaving it, he's sort of taken himself out of the play, and that's where I think he, you know not directly interfering. If he'd have gone up and challenged Anderson for the header, then we may have a case. But I personally, I I don't think he was interfering all that much, personally. 
just because of because of the reasons I explained. And you know, that's why I'm going to say I'm not all that bothered personally about about that. Is it harsh? You know, some people some people would say that, but I'm not. I'm not going to get overly angry, and I know I'm going to upset basically everyone listening by saying yes, you <laughs> are offside, but interfering, I don't think so. And back to the VAR. You know, you say all oh, it all has to go back to VAR. For all we know, I don't. I don't think it was checked, or at least not checked properly. It could just have been a case of the VAR, you know, official just saying, "Right, I'm just looking at this. No, he's not fe- interfering with me." You know, in the same line of thinking that I am. Therefore, we just ca- therefore we just carry on. So he's not being brought in to rule an offside because yes, he was offside, but not interfering. If you see what I'm getting. At. I don't think he was interfering. So that's why that's that's my defense of it. I just want to sort of explain to people. Everyone listening to this will know that I've defended VAR for a long time. I don't want to call myself an expert on it, but I did write my I did write my major project in Sick Form College and my undergraduate dissertation on the use of technology as officiating ref- and helping referees officiate in sport. So I do know what I'm talking about when it comes to this. Um, not an expert, Dale Johnson, ESPN, find him on Twitter, go to him. But I have spent a lot of my life, you know, delving into all this stuff. So that's why I am very much a defender of it, because I was saying in 2014, in fact, I was saying in 2010, that this is the way that the, that the world needs to be going. So that's why I all right. always defend it. But all right, don't, all right. Don't you've had enough there. Don't you think that in another game that could get called for offside? Because for in me, that, game, that yeah, in another 100%. game that could, in another game that could, because another referee could, like you two are saying and everyone else is saying, they'll say he's interfering. This referee doesn't think he's interfering. Is no, hmm. that's why you should. That's why something like that. I don't think VAR should be used for subjective things. Like, was this a foul? Was this not a foul? Because everyone has different interpretations. Like the Raheem Sterling incident, you know, in the Liverpool game earlier. That's a. Some people say that's a foul. Some people won't. But things like offside, use it for that. Subjective things like this, I think it should be. I think it should be taken out of it. Fair enough. But look, I want to talk now about what we actually did well in this game, what we didn't do well. Because on the group, I've been trying my best to not let the hate consume me, and I've been trying to think of reasons. Oh, but West Ham were actually good. They were the better team. We deserve to lose. That's one. That's one side of my shoulder. The other side is me saying, well, no, actually. We were brilliant. We've been completely robbed. And I'd like to start off with that angle. And I'll go to you, Will. What do you think we did well in this game? What do you think this... What what arguments are there for that we deserve to win or get keep the draw in this game? I know what the points are, but I want us to all talk about them. For instance, you know, one, first of all, the defending was brilliant, wasn't it? Yeah, I think the defending was great, to be honest. I mean, look, we've never looked that solid at the back. That, that let's be honest, that's true. But Adarabio and Anderson are really forming a good partnership at the back, and Robinson yeah. is very good defensively. You know, he's got he's got the pace. If a man does get past him, he's straight back there already. He gave, I think it's Kufal, who was the right wing back for West Ham. He's been that's playing right. really well, and he did get a, a fair few crosses in. To be fair, but Robinson really gave him a hard time, and we've got to remember that he's stepping up from Wigan. Um, to Fulham, and he was on. Ev- he was at Everton before that, but only for the for the youth team. Really, I don't think he played for the senior team. If he did, it was very little. Um, and you know, he, he's doing really well there. Uh, I, I think he's brilliant. I, th- I feel sorry for Brian because you know he was brilliant in the playoff final, and that's going to go down in history and all that. But 
Robinson, for me, has secured a place in the starting eleven quite comfortably, and I think he's been brilliant. Uh, I think Aina is also looking really good defensively. Um, again, the fullbacks they can be a bit shaky, but he's looking good, and and yeah, the centre backs look great. But also defensively, I think we've got to credit the whole team because midfielders mm. are tracking back. Um, and even Mitrovic, I mean, this isn't something we talk about often, but Mitrovic spent a lot of a lot of his time in the game in our half, and obviously he can't just stay in the other half the whole time. But he was actually running back and uh, helping defend a, a bit and applying a bit of pressure. And it's not something we see from Mitrovic all the time, you know, when he runs around and stuff. But he was, yeah. and the the midfield I thought was really good. I think Kenny had another great game. Of course, won us the penalty. Um, and yeah, I, I think him and Mitrovic were really, really good. Yeah. I, I, Reese, what, what are your thoughts on this? Give me some reasons why we should be confident with this game. I mean, let's try and ignore the fact that it's a fucking disaster at the end and try and focus on the positives we can take from this into the international break and <laughs> leading up to Everton. I, I know, I know it's hard. I know it's really hard because of how it ended, but we looked like a very good team at times, didn't we? Yeah, I would say that this was the best. The best. This was our best performance of the season, even if we didn't manage to take points off, because West Ham are a, a markedly better side than West Brom. West Brom, beat, yeah, yeah, we'd be in the other. Who look as if they're going to be struggling all season. So the fact that we managed to take the game to West Ham, you know, you said only three chances, but I think that's that's pretty pretty okay, considering we were, you know, we are underdogs and will, and will be for most games this season. But, mm. but defensively, we, we held our own. You know, Ariola made some very good saves, touching on the points um, uh, that Will made. Uh, Lookman and Robinson look to be forming a fantastic partnership. Harrison Reed back bossing the middle of midfield. You know, everything was going really well, which is what makes the whole, you know, coming out of it with zero, with 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 nothing to show for it, all the more, all the more frustrating. But if we can take this but. We are going to have to play better because we have got is it's Everton, now I think it's Leicester, Liverpool, and Man City in that order. So if we are going to yeah. get anything out of those games, you know, scrap the last two because no, but the but the first two, Everton and Leicester, we're going to have to play an awful lot better. And but if we can take the performance against West Ham. And just kick it up that little bit notch further into you know sides that are you know are going to be around us later in the season, the likes of Burnley, the likes of Newcastle. I'd make an argument for West Brom again when we play them. Who else mm. is struggling? Who else is struggling at the moment? But you get you get the picture. I think that was our best performance of the season. We can replicate that, and then as I said, just kick it up a notch. We'll be fine. Yeah, I think we did have quite a few positives, like like we're saying. Um, but it, it's so difficult to say that was a positive match the way it ended, isn't it? But it ended, yeah. I suppose yeah. you are right. We have to you have to look at the bigger picture. And if we did get a point out of that game or three points, we would be absolutely delighted. And obviously, performance without points is nothing. But performance that can lead to points is something. And you know, we did do really well. And I think we've got players. Are getting back from injuries. Lamina, who obviously had a bit of a knock, looked good last game, so he can come back. And you've got Kearney, Angisa, and Harrison Reed, who I all thought was excellent. I think Bobby Harrison Reed, Reed is, had a great game, yeah. Yeah, he did, he did. And and Bobby Reed is somehow stepping up, which is like a miracle story. Never heard anything like that. But 
that seems to be working. And yeah, we're really building on something good. It's just really disappointing in the game, the way the game ended sort of um, mm. like looks over that, you know? Well, our general shape looked fantastic. It seems that we were doing a 4-4-2 again off the ball with Kenny and Mitchell pressing high up. I thought our build-up play was fantastic. Some of our counters were great. But the problem is, if I was just to mention some things that didn't go well, some things that I'd like to improve on. Will, you were mentioning Mitro, who is, you know, doing lots of great defending in our half for us, but maybe slightly a bit too much. I felt like, for instance, there was that amazing chance where he nearly slid in and could have just tapped it into the goal. That would have been great. He just always filled maybe one step behind and he could have been. I mean, for me, Mitro is not fully there psychologically, in my opinion. That's just my opinion. I'd like to know what you think. But for me, I feel like he was struggling a lot he wasn't getting on the end of crosses enough for my liking he was uh struggling to tower over adam aaron cresswell who's like quite a small chap and there's just something about the idea of him passing the ball to lookman saying he's got a hamstring problem when uh, there's i don't know there's just something about mitrovic's confidence for me that might need a bit of tweaking over this international period but that's my fear because he's now going to be playing against Scotland in the Serbia game and he's just going to knacker himself out again I mean who knows but there are other things as well Robinson like you said had a really good game really lovely like he had so many runs he's so fast but in my opinion not enough balls were, get, were sent to him a lot of the options were good to go inside and also I've got to say I found Tosin's passing through the middle sometimes a bit risky but it's just so good like you say to have a defender like that that's actually got that good partnership with Anderson in the middle and Gisa some rusty moments here and there but yeah I, I can't really thought I'd like you say lads we played really well I just want to know your thoughts on Mitrovic Paul though really quickly yeah, I think my I think my point has sort of already been raised. It is a confidence thing, and I think once he does get that first goal, whenever yeah. it whatever that may be, I think well, first goal of this of this newest streak as it were, because he's already got a couple of early in the season. I think he does. I think there is something about it. he's missing service. You know, we talked earlier in the season about Tete after he gave him I think two two assists in two games. It was uh, the, the early cup game Ipswich, I think Ipswich and Leeds, both pretty much the same thing. Ball it. Once he gets some decent service, and service has been somewhat better, but it has. It's just, it's just, they're, they're not giving. He's not being given the best chances. Let's just let's just put it that way. Like there weren't many chances last night where you thought that was a a clear cut chance. You know, similar to when he had the open goal somewhat against Crystal Palace, where you think he should be getting it away. I uh, don't want to get into the you know into the statistical side of it, but on an expected goals rate, I don't think he would have had that many. Uh, decent chances to put anything away. So once he mm. gets the act, once he gets the service, we've talked earlier about you know getting bodies in the box to to help him. But uh, but there are going to be some times where he is going to be isolated and he is going to have to do it you know all on his own. And that starts with getting a decent ball in for him. Yeah, I just wanted to jump in on something that uh, J Mac you said earlier about how we were going through the middle quite a lot. Um, now, I don't want to start having a go at Lookman again because Lookman has been brilliant for us. Um, and, no, go and, you know, on, such a, go on. No, he, he's such a skillful player and he's brilliant like that. But that's not the player that Mitrovic wants in a way. I'm not saying drop Lookman. I'm not saying drop Mitrovic. I'm just saying that maybe Lookman and Mitrovic aren't the best pairing because Lookman doesn't like to cross that much, I've noticed. He does skills and he tries to break through to the defence. Whereas if that was Bobby mm. Reed, he'd probably taken it back and crossed or passed it out wide and someone else would have crossed. I think Lookman, he's brilliant, but he, maybe sometimes he overdoes it in, on the tricks-wise. Because I think it, I said it on the um, chat and Frenchie agreed with me. It was 
I can't remember what the chance was. I think uh, Lukman did have a shot out of it, but Mitrovic made the run and um, Lukman just started doing step overs and stuff and, like, you know, play it to Mitrovic a bit quicker and we're all right. But I think sometimes he, he has like tunnel vision maybe in the fact that what yeah. he wants to do, if someone makes a run around him, he will then be like, oh no, I've got to do this. I've already started it or I've already thought about it. I think if he just opens his vision a bit and looks more for the pass and stuff like that, he can become even better than he has been because he has been really good. Don't get me wrong. But I uh-huh. think sometimes he just needs to cross a bit more and look for other options. Well, that was the problem. I feel like West Ham knew that we were doing very well in the middle of the park, you know, playing through the centre. And what they did was restrict that. And then we were forced to play on the wing a lot more. And as you say, Lookman was not on his game for going crosses. He likes to cut in. So we were really heavily reliant on Aina doing some crosses in as well. It just, it was, it was a really tough game towards the end. What really annoys me, and I just want to know your thoughts on this, Paul, though, is that we only, this has happened more than once now. It only looked like we really fancied scoring as soon as we conceded. Were we playing to a draw, do you think? Just honestly, the amount that you saw Ariola go up to the end of the pitch, I mean, it was almost like a beehive had just been suddenly, you know, hit off a tree and all the bees are going absolutely fucking mental, just sort of de- desperate to sort of protect the high. It, I feel like we only really, really want to actually score a goal when we're one behind. Do you think there's any any, any evidence in that, what I'm saying? Um, I wouldn't go that far, but I do think, and I've said this point in the on the podcast before, is that Scott Parker does tend to be reactive rather than proactive. The fact sure. that he didn't make a, an attack, like when did Loftus-Cheek come on? Something like the 85th minute? Too late, very, too late. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking. We probably were playing for a draw, as you hinted at, but there are, but there are a couple of occasions where, because even in the first half, we were in the first 10 minutes or so, we were countering up the pitch. We were actually looking, we were doing quite well. But a couple of boneheaded decisions and, you know, from from players once we get into the final third, something we've had going back to last season, um, again, just cost us. I do think Scott Parker was very defensively and that showed with you know, with the way he, as I say, reacted to things, like leaving Ruben Loftus-Cheek to come on uh, very late in the game. And not, I mean, part of that is down to the options that he has. We look at that bench, and you know, at this stage, we're crying out for Bubakar Kamara to be to be an option off the bench because, because at, at the moment, do we have really anything for us? You know, mm. not even Cabano. You really want to test it in that situation, apart from yeah. the set piece. So, yeah, he is somewhat hamstrung by it because of Kamara's stupidity the other week. But even so, someone like that does need to be a little bit more once, you know. Hold out for the draw, but let's just push it forward a little bit further. Well, Parker's obviously learning from the last game that counterattacking is the way forward a lot more. I mean, for instance, I mean, we have this lovely build-up play and it looks like we're actually got a lot more possession than we actually do. So, for instance, we had 47% possession at the end to their 53. Um, but it's just the shots on target. I mean, I think it was in the second half of the second half where we only started, we, we had our first two shots on target then. And it was, it was just, and I think the third shot on target probably wasn't the penalty. I'm not too sure what it was because that wasn't going fucking anywhere. But my point being that there are some issues that we can potentially blame Scott Parker for for the result of this game, even though Adamola Lookman ruined the end. And I just want to go to you, Will. Do you think his substitutions were very late and just not the quite correct ones to make? I think they were late, definitely. But I I can understand why they were late because I think right. it, before we made before we made the subs... I think we still looked like we could have got a goal. And then obviously they got the goal and it 
it changes everything. Um, yeah. And, you know, when he did bring on the sub, we, we did. I mean, I don't know if it was Cav, wasn't it, he brought on? I don't think Cav was um, heavily involved in the penalty that we actually got. But, you know, we got the penalty when he brought on the sub. And I think he is quite good at motivating the players because as soon as we went 1-0 down in the 91st, that's that can be heartbreaking. But you know, we that's when we had our best chance of the chances of the games, uh, in my opinion. You know, we're getting the ball forwards, playing in a few more crosses, and obviously won the penalty in the end. Um and I just I was just thinking, like, if we scored that penalty, it was Ben Rama that gave it away as well. Oh, absolutely heaven. Mm. But clearly <laughs> not to be. Let's talk about Ben Rama when he came on. I mean, two shots scored, uh, I mean, to be fair, directly at Ariola, but it was a double save from him. I just want to talk about Ariola really quickly. I was debating with all these uh, all these people, or you lot, on the focus chat, saying that, you know, they were sort of standard saves that he had to make this game. And I'm not too sure. I feel like these saves were really, really good. I feel like West Ham could have at least been one or two up in the first half. What are your thoughts on that, Paul? Ariola's looking really like a decent prospect for us, isn't he? Yeah, where's our resident goalkeeper Matt Arter when you need him to fully to fully break this down in situations? <laughs> um, but I do th- I do think they were very good saves. I wouldn't say they were outstanding or world class or anything yeah. that's going to win a Pushkas or uh, Pushkas's goals, isn't it? Whatever the whatever the equivalent for save of the year is, I don't think he's going to be winning any of that apart from the one deflected shot. I think it was from Aaron Cresswell. They just tipped over the bar. Yeah. Uh, they were yeah, which was a, which was an outstanding save. Other than that, yeah, they were pretty much straight at him. I think uh, Matt Arter somewhat gives into that. You know, his positioning was very good. It was it was excellent, but that just means you're in a decent position. You're in a decent starting position. So they were for the most part straight at him. But he did he did well. He does somewhat worry me the fact that he's um, a, a puncher. Rather yeah, than rather go. than a, a catch the ball, I don't I don't want to be ze- I don't want to be xenophobic on this, but that is a very continental thing. Whereas British goalkeepers tend to catch it. it that's not xenophobic. That's an actual thing. But so mm. it does it does worry me just a little bit. Um, but for the most, but he, he's dealing with it well, and yeah, he's 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 not the, for all the doubters. And there was an article that I put in uh, that I put in the group chat. Uh, during the week that basically just broke down what Lugman's done starting to think all those negative thoughts about oh we shouldn't be replacing Rodak he's earned his start I think Lugman has has pretty much earned that number one spot could Rodak have done everything that he could have done possibly but at this stage Lugman has no not Lugman uh, Ariola has got that number one jersey basically basically until a calamitous error which by the looks of it he doesn't look like he's going to make yeah, one hundred percent. Ariola looks good again. Um, I mean, not that he ever looked bad, but anyway. Um, yeah, he he made good saves. I wouldn't say they were outstanding, like you were saying, Baldwin. But you know that another keeper could have let them in, and they were good enough to keep us in the game for pretty much all the match. So, um, yeah, yeah, good keeping. Um, I just think what I'm trying to say is, mate, really quickly, is that the reason I'm focusing so much on Ariola's saves is just, just gives me, it makes me feel a lot better about the complete uh, shit show at the, at the end to know that actually, well, I mean, it could have been worse. We could have been maybe 2 0 down at half time. That's the only thing I'm holding on to. Otherwise, I'll go to 11 with my anger with Lookman. You know what I mean? That's the only reason. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we definitely could have been. That, that's 100% true. And, and like I say, another keeper could have let those in. And they were good saves. 
also the thing I do like about Ariola is he really controls his box. I remember the thing. I remember thinking the same thing when uh, Rodak came in, actually. But Ariola does it as well. You know, he he yeah he organizes a defense. He I know Baldwin was saying he's worried about the punching, but I I think it's fine. You can't catch everything, and if it he doesn't like punch it into the box, he punches it well out. So yeah, I I think he's good, and if it's his to go for, he'll call it. Um, and yeah, he talks to defenders and he makes sure they're in the right place. I think he's a really good keeper. And I think his experience at, you know, PSG, Real Madrid, they, that really does help him. And I think we have an option to buy, don't we? So I, I'd like to see that happen eventually. For nine million, I've heard rumour on Twitter. But really? You know, can't that's that's you quite can't, cheap, actually. I'm surprised. Mate. Mate, it's Twitter. I don't know. Don't 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 hold me to that. It could be absolute <laughs> nonsense. I don't know. But what I'm let's go to the next point. Is Scott Parker, Bordeaux, he's not in danger, is he? I mean, you'd think he was results wise, because if you look at it, we've got four points out of a potential twenty-four. But you can see the you can see stuff happening now. You can see where we're going and potentially improvements. And it's just such a shame this fucking international break has started because you, you feel like we were on a bit of a roll here, don't you think? And I just also know, want to know, do you agree with people that we should be dropping Lookman for the next game? There'll be some sort of corporal punishment for the lad. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll get to the first bit. I do think we have to... I do think Scott does need to be worried somewhat because okay. this is very, very reminiscent of 2013-14 when we had, you know, just turned a corner under Rene Mullenstein. We had a bit of a, 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 decent, run, a decent run of results. I think we'd just draw, we'd just drawn at Old Trafford like either the week before or two weeks beforehand, 2-2. Two, two. Everything That's was right. starting to go well. And then in the last minute against Liverpool, we, it was 2-2. Two, two. Again, you're thinking they were in the title race. You know, we finally got a, a solid a solid team together. We can hold our own. Then Sasha Rita gives away a penalty in the last minute. We lose 3-2. Rene Mullenstein out of a job. I do kind of think this is the same sort of thing that's happening now. And I think the Mullenstein sacking was around the international break as well. Um, mm. I don't know if it was precise. It, it would have been the February-March international break. But there is just a little bit of, right, we've turned a corner. Everything's looking good. Then the last minute, then, you know, we come out of that game. You know, we come out of West Ham with a point. I put us on, you know, five points. You know, not a major difference, but I have no idea if that would have changed. You know, but bumped us an extra couple of places up the table, made it look a lot better. But when you come out of that with nothing, you do kind of think just a little bit in the back of the head, as you say, four points from twenty-four. Is that the job that costs Scott Parker? Is that the is that the instant that costs Scott Parker his job? Now I will say, as I have, mm. I'm not calling for Scott Parker to go. I've said many times and I stick by it. He's getting my backing throughout the whole season. But I nice. would understand if, again, based on precedent of what the Khans have done, if this does end up being what gets him out, because the performances are going well, but you need the results to back it up. Just, just moving on to look, you said, you know, should he be dropped? You know, you mentioned corporal punishment. Again, not that far. I was <laughs> of the opinion when when it first happened that yes, absolutely drop him, punish him, do whatever, you know, find him a week's wages. But then it occurred to me, he's our best player. I don't think we can afford to do that. If we it can't. was step exactly, if it was Tom Kearney who did that. You could make the argument to drop him. You know, he's the captain. He should be, you know, he should be doing more than that. He's a leader. You don't mess around like that. And as we've had the discussion, you can make the argument that we can do better without Tom Kenny in the side. So you you'd understand it on there. You can put it with any with any other player. 
like if Cavallero had done it, you could say it's okay. We'll get we get Cabano to take your spot next week. You sit on the bench. But with Lookman, I don't think you can, because as much as it was a frustrating moment, he, he was arguably one of our better players yesterday and has been our player of the season so far. So to drop him would would be shooting ourselves in the foot. I mean, you could punish him, you know, off the pitch as much as you want. Find him, find him a year's wages for all I care. But when it comes to actually being on the pitch, he has to stay. And I think that's, I, I know, I know a lot of people in the group chat. Again, that may just be reactionary in first thought, but you can't. And I think I think mm. that's weird when you think about it that way. Well, my opinion on it is personally, I feel. I was never knee-jerk enough to suggest that Lookman should uh, be dropped, but I do feel like Lookman now owes Fulham Football Club a debt, and I feel he needs to now score the winner of a game we weren't expecting to win. And I mean, it's a, it's a tough ask, but if he he's now and you know you saw his apology on Twitter recently, he says he's going to more or less put things right for the next one, and I wasn't sure if he's actually talking about the next time he has a penalty. I think maybe just the next time he's. I don't know. Maybe he is talking about penalties because I really don't want to see him in front of penalties again if that's the case. But yeah, I feel like he is now indebted to score a goal that gets us a result we weren't expecting to. Will, I'd just like your thoughts on Scott Parker really quickly if you think he's in trouble. Because look, it's it, if we had won, if we things had gone our way the way we wanted it to, and it was five points out of 24, that's still not... I mean. It's still not huge. It's enough to keep us safe, potentially, at the end of the season. But what I'm saying is it's not enough to necessarily sack Scott Parker, even though the Khan's like a good old sacking now and then. Okay, yeah, I think he should be worried. But I don't think his job is um, is in trouble, really. Uh, I don't think that game's his fault at all, to be honest. Um, and I also think the same as Baldwin, that I'm going to back him all season. Uh, you know, I think we've got to give him a chance. And for me, as long as we're outside the relegation zone, is it successful? Because I'm not expecting to do anything that great this season. I think another season in the Premier League is just brilliant, to be honest. And yeah, I think anything, um, yeah, so anything outside the relegation zone is good. And at the moment, that's what we are. And the teams below us are struggling, just as we are. Um, and if I was to give him a rating, uh, I think I'd probably give him a 7.5 out of 10. I think maybe he okay. could have made stops earlier, but I think we set up well defensively. I think our midfield pressed well, but also dropped back well. I think our wingers were decent. I think Mitrovic had, was actually really good despite not scoring. Um, mm. And yeah, yeah, I think it was a good day despite the result and it's very unlucky very harsh on him because I'm sure he just he wanted to get the points just as much as we did so it's unfortunate but yeah 7.5 out of 10 for me all right well I'm, I'm gonna go with seven I hear what you're saying um you say that you're not worried or you don't think he I think he looks worried <laughs> I feel like his reaction afterwards I think he's obviously depressed and very unhappy with the penalty the offside and the result but he looks like a man that knows that if these you know he He's not going to survive much longer, even if we are starting to see a system forming with new players. But yeah, seven for me. I thought the substitutions were too late. I thought Ruben Loftus-Cheek, not sure if that was the right call or not. I guess it is. He's probably the most electric signing we have that's on the bench. But yeah, a seven for me. And to you, Mr. Baldo, for your Scott Parker rating, mate. Yeah, I think I think a seven's fair, maybe leading personally towards a six. I think 
in the grand scheme of things. He, he set us up well to get a draw yeah. out of the game, and a draw is what we deserved. If it weren't for, you know, let's just let's just let's just call it a marginal VAR decision and a piece of idiocy at the other end, then a draw, you know, and in another world, we may even have got a win out of it. So I don't think the way he, I don't think he should be blamed too much for that. You do have to question, as I as I mentioned earlier, the substitutions and leaving things too late, so he gets knocked down for that. Um, mm. But overall, you can't you can't blame him for what happened out there. This is this is one of the, the incidences, and I mentioned it late late last season and early this season. There is a time when the players have to take responsibility for this, and I think this is one of those games. Well, look, we've got the international break, which, dare I say, it feels really unsettling to enter the international break with what's just happened. But we've got time now to for injuries to come back, as Will says, uh, to you know re- go again. And Parker's good with stuff like that. He'll get into the players' heads in a positive light, and I'm sure he'll bring Lookman's confidence back in the next week or two. But I just want to look at these fixtures really quickly and share them with you, gentlemen. So Fulham's next four fixtures are Everton, Leicester, Man City, Liverpool. West Brom's are Spurs, Man United, Shepherd United and Palace. Burnley's are Palace, Man City, Everton and Arsenal. And Sheffield United's are West Ham, West Brom, Leicester, Southampton. Now, I've only done the teams that I feel that we're racing against for safety this season. You never know, another team might pop into it. And, Will, what are your thoughts on these fixtures we've got ahead? Can we get anything out of them? And would you say that potentially Sheffield United have got the easiest run in the next four games compared to everyone else? Probably. They probably have mm. got the easiest run, yeah. But it, we've all got hard runs. I'd say we've probably got the hardest out of the four teams. But it, it's close, you know. We're all playing big teams and teams that are expected to be up there. Yeah. Um, I, I think we can... We will probably end on uh, this run of games. I, I think we'll probably end it on maybe 17th or 18th place. Uh, maybe just on goal difference. The points is still going to be really close, I think. Which is why a win or a draw uh, yesterday or whenever you're listening could have been really crucial because our next run of games are difficult. But I think sometimes it's all right if you're playing them all in a big go because you don't want it to interrupt a good run of form. If you're playing them all at once and you play okay against them and then you go in after those four games against not an easier team, but a team that you have a better chance again, then that can really boost your confidence for the next few games which could be easier than your hard run so I think it's all right playing these hard teams I'm not expecting to get that many points I mean one or two one or two points is really good in my opinion but if we get zero and but we still play like we've been playing we don't lose our heads we keep with the same tactics we've been going with because they've been working um, then I think that's successful for me so I don't think we'll be down the bottom by a long way I think we might drop one or two places but I think we'll be all right I completely hear what you're saying, but some I can imagine some gammon listening to this podcast at home and listening to you, the tactics are working. The, the evidence is clearly they're not working because we've got more I mean, yeah, but, it's, <laughs> yeah. No, I don't really game. So no, no, I, mean, I think if we don't exactly start that season, we'll be good. I'll just go to you, Bordo. So, I mean, the day we're recording, West Brom conceded last minute to Harry Kane, thank God, to Spurs. So, luckily, they're still below us. I just want your thoughts of where the points we could gain out of these next four games, man. I think our best chance of points is going to be, and as um, is probably going to be Everton because they're on a bit of a downward slump at the moment, despite being everyone's favourite to win the title after two weeks of the season. Uh, they're on three, if, if my maths is right, I was looking at here, three losses in a row. They lost to Southampton, 
lost to Newcastle and then lost to Man United on the weekend, this weekend, Scott. Three losses in a row. If there's any time we're going to be able to pick something up, it's probably going to be against them because Leicester seems to be on a very good run of form at the moment, just beat Wolves today. Um, so there's nothing coming out of that. And then it's Liverpool and Man City afterwards, which is zero. And if we could get minus points, we probably would against Man City. Um, so our best chance to get anything is probably going to be against Everton. Uh, but knowing the way we've been playing this season at Everton, knowing what they can produce, um, we'll be lucky. We'll be lucky to get a point out of that. So I can see us getting one point. Out of that. You talk about the other teams. You know, you mentioned Sheffield United have arguably the easiest run of form, the easiest uh, run of fixtures. But let's not forget, Sheffield United have been terrible this season. So whilst it may look whilst it may look good on paper, I I can't see them getting much. Out of those games, they've been absolutely depleted by the loss of uh, Dean, uh, not Dean Henderson. Dean, yeah, Dean Henderson. Oh, it is Dean Henderson, Jack, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and Jack O'Connell. Um, well, that's, been a real, that's been a real bad one for them. So, yeah, I maybe get a point if we're lucky, get a, get something out of Leicester. But that's really it, one or two. And then you've got to answer, go back to it a bit. But that's what you've really got to ask yourself. If, if we get one... Is Scott Parker still going to keep his job? I, I, I just don't know. It's 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 a really it's a really odd uh, situation now. And I, I, I will we'll see. I, I'm I'm optimistic we can get some surprise points out of Everton and Leicester, but not not the other two. Let's see what happens. I mean, I feel look, I feel, I feel a lot better talking to you about it, lads. Um, I mean, we were all seething even this morning, but I feel like it's cooled down a bit. But not to try and pour more fuel onto the fire. But I just want to get your thoughts really quickly individually, just so you can say yes or no or whatever. Uh, Baldo, do you consider this worse than what happened between AK-47 and Mitro with the penalty against Huddersfield? Is it more scandalous? Ooh, that's a bit of a weird one. Um, I think the, I think the Mitrovic-Kamara one probably comes out worse because there were, there were more players involved in it. This is just, you know, one man's stupid decision. Whereas in the, you know, Kamara-Mitrovic one, there were so many other people that could have taken the blame for it. Um, but arguably, no we idea. didn't lose that game. I mean, arguably, we didn't. But but if we just take the incidents as they were, you just got to think in that situation, you know, Kamara is having a say on it. Mitrovic is having a say on it. I think, I assume Tom Kenny would have been in the vicinity, or at least some senior figure, at least, would have been in the vicinity to discuss this. Uh, Claudio Ranieri as well, who's the manager, you'd think he'd have some sort of say in this. The fact that that one, you know, there was more blame to go around. Whereas the West, whereas this looking one was just one man's, you know, one man going rogue. So I, right. so I put the Kamara, I put the Kamara on worse. Fair enough. And for you, Will, it was quite funny shades of, it was a bit deja vu listening to Scott Parker talk about the penalties. And it reminded me a lot of Claudio Ranieri saying, I wanted to kill him, you know, about AK-47. But do you think this is a worse situation than what happened then? For me, this is worse. I mean, that might be controversial, yeah. but I think it is because no, no, we I agree. Didn't get- and we didn't get the points we didn't we got nothing out of the game really I mean good performance but like I said if you're not getting points it doesn't mean too much um yeah I to be honest I thought the whole Kamara thing was hilarious I mean <laughs> Ranieri's press conference after was brilliant and um, and we got the win and also it was later on in the season um I know I, we weren't down by that point no of course we weren't um but you know we were this is where we need points. Then it was like, we need points, but we won the game anyway. So let's all chill out, basically. Um, 
also he got sent out alone afterwards. I just thought it was all quite funny, to be honest. I mean, probably not the best way to look at it, but um, <laughs> this, this way we've got nothing out of the game, and it's just one of our player, young players. I mean, he's not ours, but on loan, one of our young people who's playing for us at the moment has probably got a really bad confidence boost, uh, confidence knock even, and he's. Um, He's been crucial to the way we play so far this season. I also think Kamara is one of those players who you could easily drop. Lookman, I don't think is. So it's going to be really hard for the management to decide what to do about this, really. Obviously, nothing major, but I mean, you know, is he going to be dropped? How are they going to deal with it over the next couple of weeks? Because the international break's coming up. It's going to be really interesting. But for me, yeah, this is worse just because it meant a lot more. And also the 98th minute to get a point. Yeah, this was worse. Well, look, if we had a game next week, I'd consider maybe having him on the bench, maybe. But even then, I don't think it's a good idea. However, the international break and the fact you've got Scott Parker, I've, I just know that it's... Adamola Lutman will, you know, rise again. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be fine. It's going to be all right. I just think, like I said, he's now indebted to us to score a big match-winning goal, and hopefully it'll be against a side that we weren't expecting to get three points from, and it'll make up for this horrific, horrific loss. Anyway, thank you very much, guys. It was lovely to speak to you. I feel a lot better. How do you feel? Do you feel a bit better talking about this? No, maybe? Yeah, yeah, I think I feel better, to be honest. All I could, I could only see negatives last night. (laughs) I think now, you know, we, we do have to think about the performance in the bigger picture, so I think we're all right if we build on this. For you, Border. No, I'm still furious. Just like you, <laughs> he, needs, he needs to. He needs to come. He needs to come and score a winner. Ideally, a thirty-yard thunderbolt. All right. Well, here's hoping. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you to William Oakley. Thank you very much to Matthew Baldwin. We will be back. We'll be back with some mid-flight entertainment during the week during the international break. I won't say what it is, but Frenchy shall be hosting. There'll be a bunch of us all together. If you like what you hear, please tell your friends about us. We're on Spotify. We're on iTunes. We're on the Apple, I- uh, the Apple iPad. We're on the Apple iTunes app. We're on every sort of social media around that possible. Please give us a like, give us a follow, and tell your friends. All right. Have a good international break, everyone, and stay safe. Fulham.